pronounce your name correctly for me yeah well it's a very easy one ben smith it's a two syllable name <laughs> and one that more or less is it actually benjamin benjamin yeah benjamin smith yeah. so nearly everyone can pronounce that indeed and you're currently based in london east london yeah. as we were just talking about and so my first question to get started with everybody is always basically how do you, how did you even get to be the creative person you are so you know creative family a teacher uh, you know what what was the thing in your youth that led you down mm. this path Well that's an interesting question I suppose for me it always started out with a desire to be a writer I think and thinking about it I do come from a family of writers in a way journalists more specifically I suppose I should say and there's a certain amount of you know musicianship in my family as well musical aptitude or whatever but yeah my dad was a journalist my his brother was a journalist my sister t turned into a journalist I wanted to be a writer but the photography which is what I ended up doing I think again really came from from my dad because he was interested in all that sort of stuff as an amateur and he also shot super 8 film and all that kind of stuff you know of that people of that generation who were interested in doing that only had certain um options open to them and so I think my photography thing came from him being interested in that and me obviously you know as a as a young boy kind of wanting to in a way follow in his footsteps or get interested in the things that he was interested in but the writing was what I wanted to do primarily and the photography was just a hobby for me and this is when I'm talking 13 14 15 that kind of age you know and even at that kind of age I wanted to get into journalism so I suppose I identified as a creative person you know I got into playing music and you know wanting to be Jimi Hendrix and all that kind of stuff as one does at that age and I was always crap at things that were not creative like maths you know so it just sort of fitted in you know my subject was English really you know so that made sense obviously you know all my teachers were like okay yeah we know where he's going which isn't actually how it worked out at all unfortunately partly because I was kind of left to my own devices but that's really how it began it began as a, a desire to write and then which I ultimately did do for a short period of time and then I rediscovered the love of photography that I'd had from when I was a younger kid. Well you still do a version of sort of journalistic style with your street work and your reportage style that you do so it's it's adjacent. Yeah it took me a while to realize that everything I have ever really done or been interested in was to do with stories really you know journalistically speaking and I went and did a degree in um, actually in video and radio production ultimately and again you know my interest there was in documentary you know it was always about telling stories and I used to have this whole shtick that I'm not interested in being an artist I don't have any interest in art or being an artist per se I wanted to be you know my interest photographically and in every other way was to do with photojournalism documentary reportage you know about telling human stories 
And so the idea of being an artist or calling oneself an artist, you know, if you're coming at it from that direction, just always seemed to me painfully pretentious, you know. But, you know, clearly, I've, I mean, I've softened my position on that massively um, in, in later years because I re- realised that it just doesn't make sense to have those kind of rigid, you know, delineations really between one thing and another. And actually the interesting things happen, you know, in the kind of grey areas between those, those, those disciplines. Well, I come at this as my background and my education is all in photography. And of course, I studied other things, you know, printmaking and sculpture and all kinds of different things in my in my schooling. But I come at photography as like photography is an art form, period. So like, it's basically how you choose to utilize it. And I'm oftentimes uh, butting heads with a lot of people because photographers are famous for being rather pompous in their own right because they very much feel like they should be separated many times from sort of the fine art conversation but I I don't see it that way like I see I see photography as simply a medium and it can be utilized for many different reasons one of which is fine Mm. arts yeah exactly that's kind of how I see it now and you know I can see how someone who's very much kind of immersed in the world of documentary and photojournalism you know probably wouldn't necessarily see themselves as making art and that makes sense to me in a way I mean you know does James Nactway see himself as an artist or you know any of those kind of serious kind of lifer you know photojournalistic storytellers um probably not Martin Parr does yeah exactly and and I mean again he's in a very different category he's in a a, a totally different sphere but I think ultimately what's lovely about photography is the breadth of you know disciplines within it and you know the idea that you can move from one to another and then the, the fact that it it is sometimes a little bit difficult to define these you know areas I think that's that's something to be celebrated surely well, but actually, I'll, I'll push back on that a little bit. Keep in mind, my podcast is called The Wise Fool. So sometimes I, I say intelligent things and sometimes I say really stupid things. So feel free to contradict me as much as you want because sometimes I don't mm. know. I think I'm saying something wise, but really I'm saying something stupid. I know so the feeling. It's fine. The, okay, set. You're welcome to disagree with me all you want. Um, the... One of the things that I find about photographers in particular is is that they're chasing this style. They're chasing their visual voice, their visual vocabulary, their thing that's going to make them stand out among the millions of other photographers in the world so hard that it's very difficult I find for a lot of uh, for many photographers to do multiple things. So like if you're going to be a wedding photographer, that's pretty much what you're going to be known for. Even if you did something else magnificently, you're going to be known as a wedding photographer. If you're a fine art photographer, it's really hard to get, you know, commercial jobs of whatever, you know, advertising, et cetera, that kind of stuff. So like, I find that as much as we want to think that when we do photography, we can do all these varieties of different things that the industries end up pigeonholing us into like one thing that we do really Mm. well. No, I agree with that completely. I mean, that is what happens. And it's hard to fight against that, that pigeonholing, you know. But 
There are a lot of people who, I mean, forget about the industry for for the time being, because I don't even know if there is an industry anymore, really, you know. And clearly there are people who still earn a, a living making images one way or another. But a lot of the people that I talk to on my podcast and the sort of people whose work I'm interested in, you know, probably earning a living doing other things. And so they have the freedom to explore whatever they want, really, because they're not beholden to anyone or trying to, you know, fit into a particular marketplace or something. And so you can basically just do what the hell you like. And that kind of crossover between reportage, no, let's say documentary photography, where it sort of meets a much more of a sort of reflective, you know, fine art type approach that's that seems to be a popular place to be at the moment in terms of photography you know it seems to be attracting people perhaps more so than it was before partly maybe because you know if there's no if there's no industry and no you know paymasters to please then you know there's more scope to do that stuff. I, be, I think, you know, if you, if obviously if you're a commercial photographer or something, then you have to work within a certain, certain confines. I mean, there are certain people who's, who I'm thinking about who do seem to manage to just m- steer that course, you know, work, walk that tightrope between doing commercial work or even editorial work, you know, in a way that they're getting hired to be themselves and to shoot, the way that they shoot, you know, and then to, once they've quit, once they've done that job and that's all sorted, they will go and work on their own projects, you know, their own long-term projects. I can only echo what you said, Matthew. I, I would I would probably qualify a little bit more and say that most of the time I'm, I'm, not, I'm probably talking rubbish and some of the time perhaps I'm being wise. I don't think it's even 50-50. So, you know, I don't know. And that's part of the reasons I have a photography podcast, you know, because it's really a way to, you know, ask questions, you know, and, and listen to the answers. I, I'm no expert on photography in any respect. I haven't really studied it, you know, in terms of the history and the uh, the development of things. I, obviously, I've learned a lot over the years, but not formally. And mostly I learn from just hearing what people have to say, you know, and that's that's a wonderful process. But I'm by no means any kind of, a, of an expert myself, that's for sure. Well, but you have the podcast, which is very popular, or at least I, I don't know your numbers or anything, but it seems very popular. I see it everywhere. I see it on lists of like best podcasts for this topic, best, best, best caught, you know, pod, ah, that was horrible. Best podcast for X, you know, photography, for visual arts, for all the different subject matters that people sort of would find your podcast. You seem to do pretty well and you've been doing it for five years now, I believe, correct? Yeah. The, so the first question you said you you believe you're rubbish at this stuff and that you're but you're better with podcasting and all this. So like, so how is it that right now you're pulling off making a living? Like I have to work four different part time jobs, podcasting being more or less at this moment a labor of love because there's not much money in it. So you know what do we what do you have to do to sort of sustain yourself through all well in mm. general. Well, it's the old story, really. It's about having, you know, multiple revenue streams that none of which are particularly significant, but 
when you can put them together, you know, uh, in, in combination, uh, I'm, it, you know, it's just about a living, but, um, it's, it's not much and, you know, I live very modestly. So, uh, you know, I wish I could say that, you know, things are going great and, um, <laughs> if I've managed to make a success out of this, this kind of portfolio lifestyle, they used to call it, didn't they? Back in the day when it first became a thing, I think probably, uh, perhaps it's always been a thing to some extent, but it actually became an identifiable kind of cultural phenomenon. It's always made sense to me I, gu- I guess I've I've more or less always been self-employed or self-unemployed most of the time or self-underemployed perhaps so I, you know the podcast I've I've just really started after like you said five years nearly four and a half years to get a tiny amount of revenue from it I've always had a little hardcore of supporters who voluntarily kick in a few quid a month which is fantastic. You know, there's always a little cohort of of fans and listeners who will conv- who will you know convert their likes and their support and their retweets into actual donations. A tiny. I, I read a, a a statistic actually that it's 0.4 percent of people, you know, of your followers, as it were, who actually do that. Which is you know kind of a brutal reality if that's if that's true that sounds about right so i've always had that i heard one i heard one percent yeah so half a percent or one even worse and so so i I started doing this this member only feed which goes out on the alternate weeks that the the free ones um goes out and that is you have to subscribe uh, and that costs five pounds a month so I'm building up the number of actual small voice members that I have now, but it's a t- you know it's 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 a joke. It's it's not proper money. You know, you think you see these people with massively popular podcasts and they got millions of downloads and they charge, you know, fifty grand for a a sixty second ad read. Well, you know, love them and everything, but those people are the outliers in this in this game. But by by miles, you know, I would hope to end up at, uh, maybe earning a few hundred quid a month. And that would that just goes in the pot, you know. I I, I do a little bit of teaching because I build um, websites for people, for fellow photographers, and for other, well, anyone who wants one. Really, I use Squarespace, who do not sponsor my podcast, but should, because I talk about it all the time. But I just happen to, you know, do a little bit of teaching photographers who want to learn how to build a website, and it's bits and bobs here and there and I still do you know the odd photography job but not as much as I used to so I kind of scrape it together but it's by a lot of people's standards a kind of ridiculously you know small amount and you know it's it remains a problem and you know I'm, I'm not getting any younger so you know I never really wanted to be in a position of not having any money at this stage in life but then who does you know one of the problems is I never gave much of a shit about about money you know I, I cared <laughs> about everything else and probably wore that as some kind of badge of honor now in my old age I realize that that's just dumb <laughs> and you have to care about it okay wait how old are you I am I am 55 now it's not that old no it's not I'm 46 I'm right, right behind you no it's not old but you get to a point where you know, the reality sort of hits home, really, and you realise that you're sort of running out of time and that to 
you know, to turn to turn the, the the ship around is going to take a bit of time, you know, because you've been on a certain course. You do get to a point where you sort of think maybe your best work is behind you instead of in front of you. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that that's not true in my case but i mean there is a point in anybody's life and their career where like their prime years or their best time of doing something is at some point past yeah absolutely and i'm i'm talking more in terms of you know i guess the 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 business of earning a living which you know you can even look at separately from whatever creative endeavors you're pursuing i i don't know about whether my i've got i think i've got plenty of good work to be done you know photographically and in other ways you know I, I stopped writing when I started taking pictures in a way and I've always felt that um that was a mistake and I should I should re re-examine you know writing in some way and you know the podcasting is is I guess you know another creative outlet in a way to some extent so there's plenty of scope for improvement as far as that all that goes and certainly, you know, with the photography, you know, I hope I hope I've still got some good stuff to come. We all hope that, but you know, there is a point. <laughs> there is a point, yeah. And there is a point where you kind of go, "Oh man, why did I not just at least figure out how to?" Some people just seem to figure out how to earn money, and you know, whether they're creative types or not, I don't know. Some of them probably. Yeah, I, I'm not yeah. that person. Yeah, no, I've never. That it is interesting because like there seem to be creative-minded people that are that choose to be photographers, and then there are business-minded people that choose to be photographers. Right. And of course, they're generally you know they look at the market more in terms of you know what's needed in the market. I will do that kind of photography because that's what people will pay for. Versus the creative people who will do their thing and just hope that people will want to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so many people, you know, who are brilliant at actually doing the work and making amazing, you know, creative output um, are just beyond awful at, at, at then man, monetizing that talent you know that's why we have agents and gallerists and all these other people in the world who you know whose job it is to um you know steer those people towards a slightly more kind of productive um, you know more more sort of uh you know monetary kind of approach and hopefully everyone then makes a few quid but it seems to be that in the vast majority of cases that, you know, there is this, this, uh, yeah, this kind of weird blind spot that a lot of people have. And then, you know, I guess that's why there's a lot of teaching going on, isn't there? A lot of, uh, I know that's something that's part of your world, you know, teaching's always been, I guess, a way to pay the bills, but also then do the work you want to work, do without too much compromise. I like the people who who are happily will do, you know, paid work and and get something great out of it. You know, I mean, there are people who have the attitude that it's somehow, you know, there's some kind of something distasteful or about it, or that it's a compromise that they don't want to make, that they want to keep some kind of purist attitude. And I think that if you, you know, that's that's fine if you can make that work, but I think I like the people who just, you know, see it as obviously part of the process to 
you know, take your creativity and, and then use that in the commercial context and, you know, produce stuff that people want, you know, in terms of advertising or whatever it may be. Oh, yeah. My professors used to always say, if a, somebody comes to you and asks you if you can do a project, the answer is always yes. Then you figure out if you can yeah, do it course, or not. Yeah, of course, yeah. Well, there's always a huge element of that, you know. You have to fake it till you make it and all that stuff. Oh, I did some shit work when I was in college. Like, I, I did a wedding one time. I did a, I did a commercial shoot for a, an airline where I actually had to go out on the runway and shoot the airplanes. Like, and we could only shoot, like, right at sunset. And so, like, I had to somehow light, balance. This is back still shooting on film. So I had to, you know, and I was shooting transparency, no less. So I had to be perfect with my exposure. It was ridiculous and it was horrible and I, I stopped doing work like that for many years because it was just way too much stress back then. I mean, now it's now it's almost easy to pull that kind of stuff off. Like with the gear that's out there, the the latitude of the, the set digital sensors these days, I mean, you, and, and then of course post-production software. I mean, you can, almost anybody with the right skills and the right equipment can pretty much make pretty beautiful mm -hmm. images. Yeah. From a purely aesthetics and technical standpoint. Yeah, which is partly why it's now a lot more difficult and there's more, you know, people doing it. And, you know, it's not really about the, the craft of it so much anymore. It's more about the hustle and, you know, knowing how to go about those things. I don't know. I mean, I haven't, I did a little bit of that back in the day. I haven't done anything of that sort for, for a long time. There was a point at which I thought, yeah, you know, I could actually be one of those people who you know aforementioned who you know managed to sort of flit kind of seamlessly between a bit of commercial work and a bit of personal work and a bit of editorial and all this and and you know I could have I could have done that but I was too stupid to really kind of grasp the opportunities when they arose I think and you know you have to do that oh yeah what do you what do you think about sort of the whole nature of like photography these days because of specifically about like cell phones versus professional equipment. Mm. I personally take the position that it, it really doesn't make any difference. Like, I mean, if you're talking about, you know, is a cell phone a legitimate tool, you know, for making photographs, then my answer is absolutely, of course it is. And then, you know, you get the whole film fetishists, you know, who, again, you know, and I talk to people on the podcast all the time about this and loads of people are still, you know, rocking the film and, and a lot of the, the younger generation in particular are um, fans of the analog, as they like to call it. I just call it film personally, but but that is a, become, I think, a tired and spent and irrelevant debate, really, and I don't really get why anyone gives a shit about that. I mean, I, I was saying there's a there's a podcast called Analog Talk, and I don't want to this. I, mean, I hope they don't listen to this. I don't know anything about it, but it's like, what what do you mean Analog Talk? You can. I mean, I don't care. I do not give a shit whether you shot it on film or or on dig. Just show me, you know that. It engages me emotionally or that there's something amazing about you know the narrative if it's a story or whatever but just why would you get hung up about the superficial 
you know nature of of the me the medium that you chose to use does that does that make sense i, I don't know whether i'm expressing oh, yeah. an unpopular view here or i think a lot of people would probably agree with me but that's the way i see it it's just a p- poor musician blames his instrument kind of an idea it's just you know yeah. it's if you're a good photographer your camera is just your tool to produce your imagery. So like if you're talented as a photographer, you should be able to take beautiful photos regardless of mm. what camera's put in your hand. And now I'll I'll also take the opposite side of that because I come from more of the fine arts background and I make large prints. So I have an issue with cell phone cameras for the purpose of output for if you desire or intend to make large format output then maybe a, a mobile camera is not your smartest choice to use. So, but but again, appropriate tool for the appropriate. Exactly, that's exactly well. what it comes down to. You know, you use the right the tool for for what it is you want to do. And of course, yeah, you know, the film has a certain aesthetic and it's beautiful. And you know, I love to see a big fine art print of something that was shot on a ten by eight camera. You know, on a gallery wall, and it's got a certain you know depth to the to the I don't know the print or whatever. But if it's a boring picture, I don't care, you know. And, yeah, it's like, I think the analogy, you you kind of mentioned it in a way, the analogy is music in a way. You know, if if you recorded your album, if you went in and used a load of old school gear and and produced it on a 24-track, you know, tape, I don't care because I doubt only the, the nerdiest audiophiles on the planet are really going to note it. And now, if that's part of your process as a musician, I get that if, you know, that's fantastic that you want to do that because you get something out of doing that and that has an impact on the music that you've produced. But it's irrelevant to me as a listener. It's irrelevant to me once I, you know, once it comes through my crappy speakers compressed, you know, as an MP3 through some crappy online, you know, it's been recorded beautifully and it will still sound... I used to be into hi-fi when I was a kid, you know, and I haven't been since because I just don't care that much as long as it sounds reasonable. I'm listening to the music itself, as it were. So that would that would be the analogy, I suppose. You know, you you could go and you know use them, uh, you know, some nice good old 24-track Studers or something instead of using a high-tech, you know, fully digital state-of-the-art studio. But I'm more interested in is it a good song? You know, is it a good song? I do portfolio reviews for lensculture.com. Uh, they they have their competitions that they offer portfolio reviews for people. And there are so many people that submit work and they say like in the title or in the like the first line of the statement, they say, oh, this was shot with analog or this was shot with film. And I'm like, I don't give a shit how it was shot. Like, And this is the thing. That's a thing where people believe how, and I'm putting quotation marks, how something was created is more important than why something was created. Yeah, no, exactly. I I don't mind about the how. And, you know, there are amazing people doing incredible work with phones. And people have always chosen weird kind of left-field little cameras, (laughs) you know, to express, you know, a particular aesthetic or to tell a particular story I did a little bit of research about this fairly recently because I did a presentation about it but you know yeah there's always been people who deliberately choose an amateur camera for instance you know like a point and shoot snapshot camera 
loads of people have done that and deliberately so let alone those kind of crappy little plastic things you know that of various sorts that um, have a certain aesthetic holgers and all that kind of thing you know with the light leaks and stuff now obviously holgers yeah like russian things you know that are about the holgers and the and the diana cameras yeah. i loved those things so but, much so you know that does have an impact i i don't know if i'm kind of now arguing against myself i wouldn't be surprised i'm not very consistent but you choose the tool that's right for the for the way you want to you want to shoot it oh yeah i mean i could get really snotty i mean i own 30 film cameras and i the only phone the only digital camera i own is my phone i literally don't own a digital camera because with digital I find there's no reason to keep up with it. Like, I mean, to buy all the newest equipment and the highest megapixels and the newest lenses and the yada, yada, yada. It is so damn expensive to do that. So, like, now I I just rent mm. if and when I get some sort of commercial shoots, that, which I still get them randomly here and there, and I just rent it because otherwise I find that the equipment is sitting around basically losing value and not doing anything around the house when... I could spend my money better elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, this is actually what amazes me that young photographers in particular can afford to shoot on film because obviously, for obvious reasons, it's uh, infinitely more expensive. I mean, some people argue that, oh, it's not because you don't pay so much for the camera initially and blah, blah, blah. Because obviously you can buy a, a good film camera now. You know, they, 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 they're so much cheaper than they used to be. You know, if you want to buy a, a knackered old Hasselblad or something, you know, it's not it's not out of reach anymore like it would have been but film and processing cost a fortune and you know it's all got to be paid for so I really I do have admiration for people who are committed to shooting on film you know just because they like it and they want that process and it, it has got a there is something lovely about you know the kind of hands-on nature of it of course there is you know so many of us people of my generation in particular you know fell in love with the darkroom you know more more than they fell in love with the process of actually taking the pictures you know it's it's the darkroom that kind of makes you want to go back out and put another role in and you know see if you can get it right you know next time as it were so I'm, I totally get that but I haven't shot film for years and and I you know I I like not having to worry about you know all that messing about you know film and processing and and that stuff oh, i love film and processing mm. personally i mean i still to this day i can still smell fixer yeah. like literally like if i if i think about the dark room i can still remember that smell very clearly because i spent much of my formative years in a dark room or around those chemicals yeah yeah probably to my health hazard yeah me too yeah. oh god i used to like you know i used to process him anywhere in my bedroom you know just like try and block out the light and god all those chemicals no no uh um what's the word you know no, no air no air or anything just circulation, you know, circulation or ventilation, ventilation no, nothing like that but yeah you know i i yeah of course you can get nostalgic about these things and i see the attraction for the younger for the digital natives you know the younger generation i can i can see why you know they want to do something that feels retro and a bit more precious in some way, you know? 
But if the if the pictures are shit, then then you know who cares really? You know what I mean? It's like if your work is derivative and boring and dull, and and you think that a picture of a fucking uh, you know abandoned shopping trolley in a in a supermarket car park is 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 you know is the is the business, then no, I'm sorry, you 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 know forget about it. You're not you ain't you just you know you're not thinking enough. You're not working enough. Okay, well, I got a question along that line. Like, I have this thing. Where, okay, so go, if we went back in history, so let's go back like even just 30 or 40 years, a photographer would go out and they would shoot a thing. They would take months, if not years, to do a whole series of works. And then they would put out 10 images, 15 if they're feeling very adventurous or they got a lot of really great stuff. These days, photographers will be putting out 10 to 15 what they call like portfolio quality works a week. Yeah. And it seems like there's this dramatic shift of quantity over quality. Right. That's interesting. Yeah, that may well be true. That may well be true. Why do you think that is then? The ease, the speed, the digitization of the whole thing has made it so that, I mean, if I put like you know because like okay so back in the old days if i did it by film like i if i set up a whole scene i could do the thing i shoot the shot and i and i then still have to go back to the dark room and develop the film then make a contact sheet then make a potentially a test print and then maybe it might look good but then i'd have to go back and reprint it on some better paper maybe in a different format whatever dodge and burn this and that so that just simply takes a sheer volume of time and of course each one of those steps costs me money yeah yeah so like you know each piece of film each use of chemistry each use of a piece of paper costs money and you didn't want to waste it because once you ran out then you had to go to the store spend more money you know and that's just time and money and time and money these days i can pick up my cell phone take a thousand pictures put them on my computer and then just edit through and theoretically like delete 999 of the bad ones and say hey i made a beautiful photo and it cost me nothing Mm. Yeah. And I think, you know, people are, yeah, shooting a lot more now. And and I think, you know, I think we've all, for those of us who do use digital cameras, I think we've all come across or come up against that, you know, where, you know, the, the temptation to just, you know, try and try and, you know, kind of do it with quantity, you know, and hope that, or not even hope, but somehow imagine that, you know, clearly there is a correlation between how much, how many images you have and, you know, how many good ones are in there, or at least you might think there were. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that that tendency to just go nuts is not necessarily the way to go. And that maybe that is the attraction of film for people, you know. I mean, everyone talks about this. It's one of the things that's said commonly about, you know, using larger format and the way in which you are forced in that respect to slow everything down and to be more considered and you're, it's costing you a fortune, right? You're shooting on a plate camera, you know, five, four or ten, eight or something. I mean, you, you're talking about a huge amount of money every time you um, expose a frame. So clearly that's a very different process to running around with a digital camera and some memory cards. You know, there's no comparison and both of those approaches obviously equally valid but yeah i think it's the same with yeah even even if you're not shooting large format the fact that you've got to pay for for film and get it processed and you know get the contact sheets and all that 
yeah, it's a very different way of working, isn't it? Well, but in the end, the bottom line, you know, we could sit here and rail on both sides of this argument till the cows come home. But it's we you've got to make images that have a story or have a meaning. But what I call the you call it the story. I call it the why Mm. I say it's why did you take the photo and why should anybody else care to look at it? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, does the photograph that you took reflect what it's supposed to reflect? You know, like, what's the story you're trying to tell? And uh, someone was talking to me about how, I think, you know, it was Martin Parr who, when he was doing crits for, for students, and, you know, he'd turn the pictures upside down and then say, all right, tell me what this is about. And then he'd look at the pictures and then he'd invariably say, well, that isn't the story you've told me with these. You know, that isn't what I'm getting kind of thing. And that, you know, that's a very sort of basic, in a way, fundamental approach. But I like, I like the simplicity of, of doing that. And it does, it does make a lot of sense. I can see, you know, how that would be valuable. And so that is, yeah, I, I don't. Like, I don't know if I've given the wrong impression. I'm totally down with people shooting film uh, and I'm totally down with people shooting digital and I don't care what kind of camera you use. It's just that I'm not that... When I get to... You know, when I'm looking at the at the project, I'm not interested. And, uh, you know, students do this. I mean, I, the people that I, I teach and, and um, show them how to build a simple, you know, portfolio website with Squarespace... To, to put their work on i'm not trying to advertise i hate squarespace gets so much free advertising i know my non-sponsor and you know they'll put like they'll they'll put their galleries up and they'll put a whole gallery and they'll call it analog or something as though that's a category and i'm like why are you why are you doing that you know like it those pictures don't work together because they're just random images the only thing you know that you're saying that that you know kind of holds them together is that they were shot on film but I don't care and I don't think anyone else will and I don't think you should you know and then we go well let's see let's see how these pictures you know regardless of what they were shot on how they you know they should be kind of organized into galleries where there's some kind of theme or there's some kind of subject matter that's you know kind of consistent Okay, I love this topic because I also teach web design in my university teaching as well. So I'm interested. I want to hear your perspective on, so these days, knowing that websites are sometimes they're important, but more or less, they, they fall into sort of two lines of thought. Like either the website is basically a portfolio just to get you business or get people to buy or, or you know purchase whatever you do, or they're an e-commerce platform. So, but either way, how would you recommend a brand new photographer or even an established photographer if they wanted to redesign their website? What, what are sort of the most important elements that you believe are necessary in a contemporary website? Mm. You know, I think it's amazing how few people actually address the fundamentals, you know? And the fundamentals with a website are you know fairly obvious as fundamentals <laughs> by definition should be the first question is what is it for you know what is this website for like you say are you going to try and sell prints then you need an e-commerce platform and sure a lot um, some people do 
sell prints on a website. But, you know, clearly those asking those questions is what then leads you to make the, the design decisions that you need to make and all those other things. Is it, like you say, just a portfolio, an online portfolio that I can try and get work with? You know, what kind of photographer are you for a start? You know, like we've already said, it's it's such a broad church, you know, and if you're a, if you're a wedding photographer in the commercial world or if you're a fine art photographer, you know, you've got almost, those two people have got almost nothing in common, yeah. I want to say one thing about wedding photographers. Please, oh please, wedding photographers that exist, stop putting music on your websites. Oh, really? I hate it when I go to a website and music starts playing, especially wedding music. Mm. I think it's horrible. No, that's horrible. That's just my position. I've not come across that. I used to shoot, you know, a few weddings here and there. And um, and again, you know, on on the basis that, that I needed to figure out some way to earn money and some way to carry on doing the sort of thing I wanted to do. And that, that worked well for quite a long time because in those days, a lot, not a lot of people were doing it. And now, of course, everyone and his dog is doing it. But I digress, yeah. So, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if your audience is Joe Public, you know, then the kind of website you're going to try and create, and if you're shooting weddings and you want to get work, then it's going to be very different undertaking to someone who just wants to, you know, organize their portfolio in a way for whoever might be interested and also provide you know all the usual links to your social media it's a kind of a one-stop shop isn't it it's kind of like this is me this is your presence on on the internet and this is where you can find all my various links okay but get into the nuts and bolts of it like to get a little specific with it so like Let's say you're a photographer and you do lots of different things. So let's say you do weddings, you do corporate headshots, you do, I don't even know what other, advertising. Um, I'm not even sure what other commercial photography mm. there is these days. So like, how would you organize it? Because like, I've heard of people organizing by year. So they do a chronological order of their careers and their industries. Or like, you know, because mm. like, or do you just like use do you use the big search engine terms wedding photographer Mm. advertising photographer like you know what what how do you organize these things because i've seen people do stupid things like this is my black and white portfolio and this is my color portfolio yeah that's not a read that's not a way to separate no that doesn't make much sense i mean unless just if you if you're just starting out and you basically you know just come out of college or something and you have got a limited number of, of images and it's just you know you're building your folio essentially then you know obviously you're going to have a very different type of website to someone who's got who's been doing it for years and has got a lot of material but I mean in answer to the question it's, it always comes back down to the same old principles of keeping it simple doesn't it I mean you know a website it, it's you don't need to get creative with a website anymore it's not like some kind of you know novelty right they've been around for 20 years now plus it's just it's just about presenting what you have in a really obvious and easy to navigate way so i would always just create a number of galleries essentially and you know put those into categories i mean the aforementioned person the kind of avatar that you just talked about probably doesn't exist because i don't think i think we are much more pigeonhole into certain areas i don't think there are people who have that breadth of of practice like i think these i mean for instance wedding photography again you know now it's 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 something that's very much a specialism because you've got a hustle to 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 get the work now because there's so many people who woke up and realized that it was a great way to earn you know really 
decent money and came at it from areas of the industry that were had basically been blown apart like you know the editorial side of things but yeah i would just make galleries like i wouldn't worry about seo either i don't think search terms are all that important really especially if i mean yeah if you're wedding photographer then you're you're competing with lots of other people out there and good luck with that kind of thing but if you start if you start getting really het up about seo i think it's probably a, a bit of a, a kind of fool's errand but i would just make simple galleries with simple you know names like portraits or you know personal and commercial or you know commissioned i think a lot of people do that you know they have they have you just described your website you know that yeah there you go there you go that i'm I'm kind of glad that kind of makes sense matthew i've done that a lot of people do that like here's some personal work here's some commissioned work here's something i shot you know, for myself. And here's how you can see the way that I've basically incorporated that style into the work that I've been commissioned to do, you know, because otherwise, why would you be chosen over, you know, the next guy sort of thing? You know, it's about, it's about being you, isn't it? It's about doing you. And so if you have a certain thing that you do, then go and do that. But in a, in a context where someone wants that, it's like so there's a there's a there's a a guy here in london S- scottish uh, photographer called doogie wallace has a very particular style of shooting has done a lot of mainly done personal long term projects which have turned into books but doogie's got a very particular aesthetic you know and he's been commissioned by you know kind of all kinds of of pe- people he got commissioned by i think it was a jewelry company and you know he shot he shot Doogie, you know, he did what he does, but he did it for them and it looked brilliant and it looked like it, you would know immediately that it was him who shot it. You know, they didn't go, oh, well, can you do this black and white and, you know, lose the flash? Because it's like, no, why would you then, you know, use the guy who does that? You know, obviously they used him specifically because they saw his aesthetic and they thought, oh, let's 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 do that with our campaign, you know, and it, it, it was brilliant, you know, and it was exactly Harry Shoots. So anyway, how have I got into that? Yeah. Search engines, websites, yeah. that's where we were going. Yeah. But it's okay. Mo- I want to move on to social media. Mm. Do you use it? How much do you use it? How easy is it for you? How difficult is it for you? Personally, I find it the bane of my existence, but it's a necessary evil in the industry these days. Yeah. I mean, part of me, you know, kind of fantasizes about waking up and just it not being a thing anymore, you know, and just not having to deal with any of it. And actually, if I was just kind of like, you know, Joe Schmo and I went to work in an office, you know, in a cubicle or something, and I just had a job that paid me a, a salary at the end of the year, I don't think I'd have a Facebook account. I don't think I'd, I certainly wouldn't have a Twitter account. I just think that, you know, maybe if I took pictures on the side, I'd have an Instagram account or whatever. But, you know, what I'm saying is that I have all those accounts because I feel it is a necessity because I am trying to kind of market myself, mainly as a, as a podcaster because I want people to know about the podcast and, I, you know, it's how I let everyone know who's on each time. And, you know, I have got an audience that I want to inform. And so... I do use it for that. 
obviously Instagram is brilliant for photographers because it's it's designed for for, for that you know particular thing you know photography or image making if you like but I yeah I, there are times when it just drives me nuts and it, you know you, your kind of brain is is being distracted by it and it's taking up bandwidth and you kind of go oh can't I just go and live on a desert island you know and 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 take a half a dozen paperback books and just just decompress from this this insanity because the problem with it is is that it never ever ends does it i mean it's designed to never end i mean like that's why you you've got this infinite scroll thing go, going on right you can you can you can go through your facebook feed forever and something will always come up okay i've got a thing about let's say instagram in particular so everybody says oh instagram is all about the visuals it's photographers medium all this kind of stuff well it's kind of not because if you look at the algorithm that's running behind the scenes on it, it's based on the hashtags. So it's based on the words you put with the picture. And then you all, the other thing that the algorithm's working with is the amount of likes. Well, the amount of likes has nothing to do with the quality of the picture. It just has to do with people like the picture. So that's a that's a law of averages basically because if you have a million followers you're going to get x amount of likes. You have a thousand followers you're going to get x amount of likes. So I believe that while everybody thinks Instagram is a is a photographer's thing and it's an image-based thing, I believe that the way it's run in the background is more about the the amount of followers, the amount of likes and the quality of the hashtags mm. more so than the quality of the image. Yeah, I mean, you you know a lot more about it than I do. That that's interesting, and you. Oh no, that's totally opinion. Right. That's no, there is no fact okay. behind that whatsoever. Uh, I mean, this is an argument I have, you know, with uh, you know, my girlfriend about um, you know, I put I put all kinds of random shit on Instagram. You know, I mean, I let people know about the podcast, which you know, it feels like, you know, self promotion, which I guess it is in a way and and people seem to be averse to that and the argument is that actually what people want is a really is a nice image and you do get or her argument is that you get more likes if you put a really nice image up and if it's just some random thing you know something that just looks crappy like i yeah like i'm i'm shameless i mean i i don't yeah i don't curate my instagram feed let's put it that way some people do that very carefully and in a very considered way I'm not bothered about that. Mainly I use it to, you know, promote the podcast and, you know, I'll put some random uh, stuff. And, and sometimes, and now what I actually, now what I, I like to do most is get the, my guests on the podcast to, to do a takeover on the week that their episode goes out. So I've got really nice stuff going up there now <laughs> because it's not mine, it's other people's you know those that that's enjoyable to see other people just kind of populate my instagram feed because otherwise i'm not really going to be putting stuff up much it's a very interesting way of, of thinking about mm. it that's uh, as a podcaster that's an interesting way to do it is basically yeah. have the guests to be a participant in it instead of just a guest yeah exactly yeah because i suddenly realized and i think this again is something someone said to me that people aren't seeing people want to see the images of that per you know that person's images and so it started out whereby when i'm promoting the the thing the week it goes out i would just maybe put a single pit or i just actually had a sort of graphic that i used i think with a, a little quote a little piece of audio but then i realized well actually i think people would 
rather see images because that is you know what people are used to on Instagram and so the extension of that was oh well why don't I just let the photographer you know post their own stuff for, for five days so the podcast goes out on a Wednesday and then from the Monday to the Friday of that week they they can put whatever they want up there on my on my feed it's great and uh, you know I love that so that's what I'm using that for at the moment. But the main, the main thing for Instagram, if we're going to talk about Instagram, is, is that you know, they're currently embroiled in a bit of controversy, aren't they? Because there was an important court case which you know, set a precedent, as far as I can gather, whereby you know, it was determined that they can basically, what, steal your copyright, essentially? Or I can't remember the specifics of it, but, but it, was, it was bad news for photographers who care. Yeah, if I read it correct, the way or the way I understood it was that the Instagram could basically sell any uh, image that was uploaded to a third party for any purpose, so right. advertising, whatever, editorial, any purpose whatsoever. Right. I don't believe Instagram was allowed to use it for their own right, 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 uh, advertising or purpose, but they were allowed to sell it to third parties. Yeah, the judgment... And they can earn money. Yeah, the judgment was sort of su- essentially that by by putting something up onto Instagram, you have waived your... You've kind of waived your right to, you know, to owning the copyright or something along those lines. I mean, we're talking in fairly vague terms, but yeah, it was, it was something... Well, no, but it, it was... Th- there was one part that was very specific to it that it was if your account is public. Yeah, I... So, yeah. Because if your account is private then they're not allowed to resell your images. Interesting, yeah, that's because why. Because you, you have chosen that. I remember reading that really closely, and I was like, you know, that's interesting because if you choose to put your account private, nobody's going to see it. You won't grow any followers. It won't be the public relations tool that you want it to be, but you'll retain the copyright of all your images. That's not really a fair trade. No. And... Now I'm thinking, you know, in terms of what I was just saying, what what can what would concern me is that it's not just my pictures that are subject to that. It's other people's now, you know, on my account. And I would feel I'd feel awful if, you know, one of the photographers who has posted to my account then had that happen, because obviously I'd be I'd feel like in some way, uh, you know, implicated or, or responsible. So uh, that's why a lot of photographers are now going, look, well, I'm going to put my account private. But like you say, you know, then you then you lose a lot of the benefits of it. And, you know, I don't know how people have these huge Instagram <laughs> followings and, you know, it's it just seems to me like uh, I, don't, I don't know how that even, I don't know how they achieve that. And, and I think worrying about these things can just end up being very kind of detrimental, generally speaking. Yeah, I like I've got a couple of thousand, a couple of thousand, maybe, I don't know, two and a half thousand people or something. It's like at the rate I get, follow followers adding you know people following my account i mean i'm gonna be dead by the time it's you know at ten thousand. i'm gonna be you know 85 years old it's like forget it who care i you know there has to be there has to be a better way to live life right i mean you know maybe i'm a, a product of my of my generation in a way and that the young the youngsters just I don't know. They know how to game it in some way. I know a lot of people I've spoken to, you know, ended up on a list somewhere, you know, like a who to follow list. And if, if that's on a on a very big platform with a huge readership, then you are you're going to suddenly get a lot of extra followers that way. 
But short of that, yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything. I find yeah, until it Artsy puts one of us on a list, our Instagram is not going to be all that spectacular. Right, exactly. Probably. Yeah. yeah. All right. One last question for you, which is, um, so you've been running this podcast for five years, talking to different photographers about their creative practices and all this kind of, you know, their ideas. What's something? What are some things that you have gleamed from those conversations that you've then said, you know what, I should integrate those things into my own work or my own stu- you know, practice, however your, your process is. Mm. Wow. There's so much. It's funny. I did a thing about this because, um, you know, I asked that question about what, what advice would you give to young people starting out or anyone starting out? And, um, I sort of collated. I pretty much just said the same thing, but I tried to phrase it a yeah. little more creatively. No, for no, you. it's a better way to think about it. I mean, cause you know, that, you know, in a way it sort of reflects that, you know, one of the reasons for doing the thing really, which is to kind of, you know, glean uh, inf- interesting information and uh, advice for myself and, and pretend it's on behalf of my listener when really I'm like, you know, just asking. And, you know, because, look, just because I've been doing it a long time, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm way older than some of the, the people who are on there as my guests, but they're better photographers than, than me. They're smarter than me. They know more than me. They get it. You know, I, I'm I, my job is to just accept that that's just true, you know, and just because I'm getting old doesn't mean I know m- more. I know less than a lot of those people. And certainly as a photographer, you know, I've got a lot to learn from them. But it's always the same things, isn't it? I'm, I'm trying to dodge the question here, Matthew. <laughs> Well, so I was wondering what you were getting to here, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm totally trying to. I mean, I think look, it's this: it's you have to just be yourself. Don't try and be somebody else. You know, you have to do stuff that means something to you and matters to you in some way. And you have to be kind. That comes up a lot. You have to be a kind human being. Don't be a dick. You know, no one wants, I mean, what's the point, you know? Uh, life's too short. And most people are not, I think. And I don't think photographers are, as a as a sort of category of people, uh, yeah, you're, maybe you're not so sure. But generally speaking, they're a nice bunch of people. And um, they have some fairly sort of pure intentions um, for the most part. Okay, but w- no, wait. Now, I'm going to, I will play devil's advocate on that okay. because I, in my own career and in my own life, am not really close friends with a lot of other photographers because I find that most photographers are rather competitive and catty and backstabbing towards one another. They often will talk badly about each other, all this kind of stuff. Like I, I was in grad school and when I was, in, I started off my graduate program as a photography major and I walked into my first class and in my first class, like some student came up to me, oh, did you see so-and-so's blah, blah, and like started bad talking another student. First class, first day, never met this person before in my life, mm. but they were a photographer, just bad talking another photographer for no reason whatsoever. And I just didn't want to do it. So I changed majors and I went a different route, but I find that most photographers, you know, we're very friendly and cordial face-to-face, but oftentimes we're rather competitive and catty behind closed doors. Yeah, I think I think there's probably a fair bit of that. I mean, in in any creative industry, I'm sure I'm sure you get that. There's a certain amount of jealousy 
and uh, you know kind of um like you say competitiveness yeah some people can be bitchy i i don't know if most people are i think i think i see a lot of people celebrating other people's achievements i see a lot of people on social media you know applauding their 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 peers for 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 having you know won competitions or got grants or whatever and maybe some of maybe some of them are kind of doing that in you know and then you know in 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 the privacy of their own home sort of cursing that person out or or slagging them off uh or slagging their work off i might want to say that maybe it's also an american thing because what i'm talking about my my experiences were in the united states and you know i haven't had that much experience of interacting with too many professional photographers mm. in europe that uh, so maybe it's an american thing also you're talking you were talking about that was an experience that you had at, at college and and i think maybe there's a certain level of insecurity that you have when you're younger that you know that leads to a slightly you know bitchy kind of it's it's a kind of you know it's a, it's a measure of your own uncertainty and i think as you become more confident in your own practice and you know you get you start to get a little bit of validation from you know your peers or or your mentors or whatever then there's less reason to you know throw someone else under the bus or slag someone else off i mean yeah of course there's you know well, you also start to find your own path. So like, you know, when we're younger, we're all pretty similar. We're all being taught the same things. We're all getting the same technical knowledge. They all seem conceptual knowledge. But it's, as our careers continue on, we each sort of go down our own individual path. And we're really not similar to anybody else at a certain point. Like, okay, sure, there's some influences here and there. But like, we're not all the same. And we all make, even though we all may use the same equipment and we all may use the same techniques we all have different intentions with what we create and so at a certain point in our careers we diverge and become hopefully less competitive mm, yeah yeah and you know there's always element of um being in the right place at the right time and some people are luckier than other people and some people are good at being in the right place at the right time and you know some people are good at uh, knowing knowing you know who to buddy up to and uh you know the kind of uh influencers or the or the curators or the whatever so there is always that but there's there's always that in any industry you know it isn't just about your talent you know or your raw ability it is about knowing how to hustle and so yeah there are people who you know are good at all that kind of machiavellian shit going on in the in the background yeah, I think they're probably in the minority. And I think, yeah, most people accept the fact that, look, you know, you're in a business which is pretty competitive. There's lots of other people doing it. A lot of them are better than you at it, in as much as one can even be objective about that, which, you know, you can't really. Not everyone likes everything. You know, there's lots of, there's lots of revered photographers. You know, I, 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 see, I see photo books which, you know, people are like having a conniption over because they think it's the best thing since sliced bread i'm like what why do you th like this is you know and that's fine you know that's okay i think we you know we can all we, we can all do that like you know not not everything's for everyone you know you know you like what you like you know and and i think so as long as someone as long as you find someone you know who likes what you do 
And as long as you like it yourself, then I don't see re any reason why you should go through <laughs> your career sort of feeling the need to diminish other people, really. You know, I think you've got to come at it from a position of humility, haven't you? Because, you know, certainly it's a business or it's a, it's a thing, a, a pursuit that, you know, calls out for, for a certain level of humility because you are going to be humbled one way or another. Indeed. I mean, I, I tr I'm trying. Uh, well, no, I'm not. I'm trying in my adult career so you know after graduating and after grades weren't an issue and that kind of jazz um i've just generally accepted that, that it's not a competition mm. no two of us are the same we will never you put you put five photographers in a room or in a situation and they will not take the same photo so like it, it we're not the same it, we're all unique we each have our own strengths and weaknesses and you hire us or buy our things because of that not because of some other comparative thing. Yeah, no, exactly. But that's my two cents. Mm. No, I mean, I, I agree with that. I agree with that entirely. Thanks so much for having me, Matthew. Oh, thank you for giving me the time. No, it's my pleasure. 